All right, welcome to Inside Out. Welcome, junior hires. Glad you guys were able to join us tonight. If you want, I know a lot of you know this already, but Tanner and Katie Sandvik had a little boy yesterday. His name is Hudson Lewis, five pounds, six ounces. So if you know Tanner, you got his, uh, got his phone number, send him a text, tell him congratulations. I'm sure he'll tell all the junior high students about it soon as well. So that's why the junior hires are here. Glad you guys joined us tonight. We're going to be talking about in a minute, the same thing you guys talked about last week, actually, come to find out, in the junior high room. But what I want to do is I want to, the reason I played that video was that very last section. He came for you. I know this Christmas season, I know the things that we go through, I know how we always look at it, the busyness, we look at the manger scene that we've been looking at for the last few weeks, but I want you guys to remember that this, this year at Christmas. He came for you. And remember why he came was exactly like we sang, was to die on a cross for you, to give his life for you so you may be forgiven of your sins and one day spend eternity in heaven with God because of that. The extent, I want you guys to see when you look at the manger scene again, the extent you, have, you see that God's went to to give us an opportunity to be redeemed into a relationship with him should change our hearts, should change the way we see Christmas. So what I wanna do tonight, I wanna just give a quick review of what we talked about the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you guys remember the first time I brought up that manger scene and I asked you guys, what do you see when you look at the manger scene? Shepherds, wise men, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, stable, manger, hay, animals, all that stuff. But like we talked about, what I want you guys to know in junior high is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is this. Christmas promises made and Christmas promises kept. Because when I look at the manger scene, what I see, and I hope you guys do now too, is when you look at that manger scene, I want you to see Christmas promises that God made through scripture that he kept. We talked about that 700 years ago in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14. For unto us a child shall be born, a, a virgin will give birth to a son, and you'll name him Emmanuel, God with us, in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child shall be born, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Everlasting Father. All these scriptures, listen, please remember this because we're going to talk about it again tonight. Prophecy in the Bible that has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ shows us the assurance of scripture's authenticity that it's accurate. There, listen, you guys, there is no other spiritual book that exists that has fulfilled spiritual prophecies already written down before that God's fulfilled already through the Christ child. We'll talk about that some more tonight. The very first week we talked about the hope, remember? The hope that we have by looking at that manger scene, the hope that God keeps his promises. And I want you guys to remember that God doesn't say he's gonna fix everything for you, but God does say he's gonna be with us through it. And I would rather have a God that walks through the darkness with me rather than fixing everything for me because if he just fixed everything how good would he really be I wouldn't grow it wouldn't be good for my relationship with him so the first we looked at was hope the hope that we see in the manger scene the second we looked at was joy the joy of the story of the shepherds great joy to all men who believe in Christ and peace on earth to all those that God is pleased so the joy of the Christmas season as well and we remember last week we wrapped it up with our joy is not found in our circumstance or our situation our joy is found in a person. When the shepherds went, they, the great joy that the angel told them about was in the manger scene. When they went and they saw this manger scene, when they looked at the child, the baby in the manger, that's when they had joy. Who brought them joy? Not the angels. 
when they had joy, it was when they, when they saw the Christ child for the very first time in that manger scene. Then they had joy. So tonight what I want to look at, I'm going to get away from, in a way, I'm turning away from the Christmas promises, but they're still there. But I'm going to go searching for a child as the title of tonight's message. Because what I want to do is I want to take one of my favorite stories in Scripture tonight and do my best to try to bring this down to where it'll make some sense to you guys, okay? But listen to me. Everybody look at me and listen to me very carefully. Here's what God laid on my heart the last couple of days. This whole Christmas story is a sacrificial love story from God to us. It's not a Hallmark show. It's not one of them cheesy romantic comedies. It is sacrificial love because what you see through this whole story is agape love. Jesus, Father sends the Son to earth, incarnate, in flesh, God in flesh, he walks among us. Why did he do that? He came because he loves us and why did he come? To sacrifice his life for us. You think about, I really want this to land on the high schoolers in this room because they were about your age when this happened. The angel Gabriel comes up and he meets Mary and says, you're gonna have a child and you're gonna name his, his you're getting the name Jesus and he's gonna save people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit shadows Mary and she becomes pregnant. A virgin will give birth to a son. That's what you see in prophecy right there. So you see, you see Mary right there. She sacrificed everything to cooperate with God. Levitical law says that she should have been stoned. See, she was wed to Joseph. In other words, they were engaged. In those days when you're engaged, you're wed. It's just like being married. She was wed to Joseph, and for her to be pregnant outside of wedlock meant one of two things. She was either sleeping with someone else or Joseph and her got together, and she ended up pregnant. Either way, by Levitical law, Mary should have been stoned to death. So when you see the reputation that she sacrificed, I want you to think about this. Think about yourselves at school, in your athletics, in, your, in all the competitions that you do, the act, uh, after school activities. Would you be willing, if God came along and touched you, would you be willing to sacrifice your reputation for Christ in that manner? Because Mary handed everything to God. Sacrificial love. Joseph, same way. Joseph wanted to divorce Mary. Quietly. To me, Joseph's a good man. Ladies, you want to know what kind of guy you're looking for? When trouble comes, he doesn't post it on social media. Joseph wasn't going to put it on social media. Joseph was going to quietly divorce Mary so that it would not cause a big ruckus in the town. Well, you guys know the story. The angel, Joseph went to sleep that night. The angel visited him, said, what happened to Mary is of the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, you can take Mary as your wife. So what Joseph do? He lays his reputation out in the whole community, he just said, I'm gonna follow God. I'm gonna follow what God lays on my heart and I'm gonna do what he tells me to do. Are you gonna do that? Is your reputation such that it's more important to you, your reputation, than your reputation in Christ when you're at school? Because I know you guys, I know not everybody comes in here on Wednesday night, acts like a Christian and goes to school and, and they act differently, don't they? We see it all the time. But are you willing to, you see Joseph and Mary sacrificially loving God through this story. And tonight you're gonna to see the same thing with the wise men when they, when they sacrifice what we'll talk about in just a little bit. So you see all these people doing, you see the shepherds. Listen, you guys, for them to go into town the way they did that night and search around for the baby, looking for that baby in a manger, to see, watch, listen, because I'm gonna touch on this again in a second. It says, they heard the angels say this and they went into town to see this thing that had happened. Not, look at me, junior hires, not to decide did it happen, 
but to see that it did happen. They went looking for what the angels told them. They didn't say, I'm gonna go into town and see if this thing about God is real. I'm gonna go to church tonight and see if this thing with God is real. No, they believed what the angels told them and they went and sought out the child because they believed he was gonna be there. So tonight what I wanna talk about is I'm gonna talk about searching for the child. I don't know if all you know this, I think most people in the room do know this. When you look at the manger scene, we've taken the story from the book of Luke, the Christmas story, Luke chapter two, and we've taken the story from Matthew chapter two, and we've taken these two Christmas stories and we've put them together. Because in the Bible, the wise men didn't show up to the child Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a second, till he was probably between a year and two years old. So the wise men were not at the manger scene as we portray it as Americans and around the world today, which I'm okay with, because all, think about it, all this does, when you look at the manger scene, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the shepherds who were the outcasts like we talked about last week. They were one step above lepers. They had no money, nowhere to live, nowhere to lay their head. They lived in the field. And you see the shepherds in the manger scene who were the poorest of the poor in the community. The outcasts at your school would have been at the manger scene. They were the first ones God told about the arrival of the Christ child. And then a year or so later, you see the wise men come into the child and they're worshiping the child. So when they bring these two together, both these groups of people, one very poor and one very wealthy and very well-to-do, the wise men had a lot of money, had fame, had the whole thing. So what you see in that, in my opinion, I'm glad in a way, it's always kind of used to bother me till I thought of it this way. I'm glad we bring both those scenes together. I'm glad we take Luke and I'm glad we take Matthew and we put them in one scene because that way we can look at that and go economic status, your reputation doesn't matter. What matters is if you look at the scene, what were they all doing? They were worshiping Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether you're an outcast, it doesn't matter whether you're rich and famous, it doesn't matter whether you're the popular kid at school or the kid that sits by lunch by himself. You are loved by God. And he came, listen, he came for you. Do you realize that? He came for you. He didn't come for anyone else but you tonight. And I want you guys to get that as we talk about this story. So if you got your bulletins, if you don't have a bulletin, go grab one real quick because I'm gonna get started going through the bulletin. They're on the tables over there. So if you didn't get one, go grab one real quick, okay? We're gonna look at Matthew chapter two, okay? And let me set this up for just a second, a little bit of background here. So Jesus has been born and he is now in Bethlehem still, okay? We don't know why, we're not real clear why Jesus spent the first year or so, why Mary and Joseph and Jesus stayed in Bethlehem. Some people will say it's because the census that they came from, came for, by the time they weeded through thousands of people that were there, because Bethlehem was a very small town, probably three to 500 people is what they figured lived there. So when they did the census, everybody shows up, Mary and Joseph were probably there for a while, they think, because the census just took time to weed through things, okay? So it's been about a year or so after the manger scene is what we're gonna be looking at tonight, okay? So when you see that picture, and I'll, we'll go through the scripture and I can show you why, how that is set up in just a second. So now the wise men are going through this and we'll talk about that in just a second. So turn to Matthew chapter two, and we're gonna read verses one through 12. I'm gonna read out of the New King James tonight, okay? I'll stop here for just a few seconds along the way. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, watch this. I'm gonna to touch on this so I don't forget. What do they say here? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Does that sound like they're questioning whether it happened or not? They're not questioning the birth of Christ, are they? He wanted, they wanna know where is he that was born king of the Jews? For we saw whose star? 
his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them, where is the Messiah, where, is, where, where the Messiah was to be born? Stop there for just a second. In this story, there's three, there's three different events here, okay? Three different people, if you will, people, groups, some of them, that meet the Christ child in this story. I want you to think about this tonight and ask, answer this question for yourself, okay? I want you to see which one are you. You see King Herod, which I'll talk about in a little bit, he wanted to kill the Christ child. He wanted to kill the king of the Jews. He wanted to kill the baby, okay? Chief priests and scribes that we just talked about here, they denied him. They rejected the idea. They're six miles from where Jesus was born, the chief priests and the scribes, six miles south of Jerusalem. And they knew the scriptures, which I'll talk about in just a second, but they still rejected the idea that that baby born in a manger, and they had to hear about this. There's not too many babies that are born this way in a stable, put in a manger when the shepherds show up and worship him. So they would have heard about this, but they still denied and rejected the idea that that baby in a manger is actually God. Where are you at? Are you just wanting to destroy him and get rid of him because he's blowing your fun and I don't like being, I don't like hearing about all this God stuff. Just go away, leave me alone. I don't want to hear it anymore. Or you just rejected him like that can't be him. If that was him, why is there so much evil in the world? If that was him, why is there so much sickness and disease? If that's really God and that God, that baby came to fix things, why are, why are things not fixed? Is that you? You know kids at school that way. Your parents might be that way as well. Or you can be like the, the wise men that we'll talk about in a second who came to worship him. When you come in here on a Wednesday night, what are you coming for? Are you coming just to have fun or are you actually coming to spend time and worship God? That's the thing we've got to ask ourselves. So he goes on to say, he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? Then they said to him, not being the chief priests and the scribes, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what, is what has been written by the prophet, that prophet's Micah, chapter five, verse two, and you Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For you will come, for, for from you will come forth a ruler who, who will shepherd my people Israel. That's a prophecy about the Christ child. Verse seven, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them uh, the, the exact time the star appeared. And he went and he, said, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him too. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He wanted to kill him, which I'll talk about in a bit. And hearing the king, they went on, the, went on their way and behold, the star which had, they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was found, to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell, fell down and worshiped him. Pause, look up at me. Who did they worship? The child. Was Mary there? Yes. Did they worship her? No, they did not. Mary is not deity. Jesus is deity. You understand what I mean? They worship the child, not the mother, although the mom was there with them, okay? They opened up their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. 
Okay, this is gonna be really quick tonight because we're really short on time. The first person I wanna look at in this story tonight, I wanna look at who's searching for the child. There's three people that should be searching for the child. One for sure is King Herod. Herod was Herod the Great. He was not popular with the Jews because he was not from a pure Jew. He was not from the line of David. He was from the line of Edomites. So the government rulers appointed Herod to be ruler over the Jews. And the Jews didn't like him because he was not pure-blooded Jew. So he was really kind of a mock king, if you will, okay? Not only that, but the guy was ruthless. That's why I got on a ruthless king for your first point. The guy was ruthless. The guy actually killed his wife, and his, and his kids, and other family members simply for the fact that he suspected they were gonna try to overthrow him. Herod was an absolute nut. He was crazy, tried to commit suicide, built some really cool things, but the guy was an absolute train wreck. And I think it was, he reigned from like 37 AD or BC, somewhere in there. He actually convinced the Roman officials to give him the title King of the Jews. Herod, who was not even pure Jew, convinced the Roman officials he was so wanted to be that guy that he said, they said, you can be the King of the Jews. That's what we're going to give you that title. Who gave it to him? The Roman citizens. The Roman government, I should say. Who gave Jesus the title of King of the Jews? God, the Father. So Herod was absolutely hated. And what Herod wanted to do, the reason why he wanted the Magi to go find out what time the, the child had been born when the star appeared is because he wanted to kill the Christ child. He wanted to kill those who the, Jew, or the wise men called king of the Jews. He wanted to murder him. Herod wanted to be the king of the Jews and that was it. The second people that you see in this story that are, are seeking the, the, the Christ child are the relentless seekers, and that's who I'm gonna kind of zero in on here for just a little bit, okay? That's the wise men. Wise men are basically magi. That magi word comes from the word magic. See, when we think of magic today and magi, we think it's bad. Back in those days, they were really, they were this. They were theological scientists. They would study the old sacred scriptures, and they would study the stars. They used the stars a lot for navigational purposes in those days, too. But they took what would happen in the stars, and they took what the sacred scriptures wrote, and they brought those two things together. That's why in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, it talks about, now listen, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 was written before Isaiah was even written. And it talks about there will be a star of Jacob that comes out of, the, comes out of Israel, and that star of Jacob is the Christ child. So God takes this star that he talks about in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 in the Old Testament, and he takes this star and he reveals it to the Magi who were theological scientists. So they were lying in all this stuff. They probably, they probably were familiar with Daniel's writings as well because they came from Babylon. So they would have looked at Daniel chapter nine, verses 24 through 27, about the timing of when the Messiah was gonna be born. So these guys were looking at all this stuff, and they weren't believers, they were Gentiles, but they were looking at all the sacred writings, the stars in the sky, and they looked at this, and all of a sudden, God gave them a star. God confirmed the word through the star to the Magi, and that's what caused the Magi to leave and go seek this child. They say that these Magi came from Babylon, so they probably would have had to go for over 800, listen to me, 800 to 1,000 miles to find the child. They would have went from Babylon in the east and headed west to Jerusalem to find this child. So that's who they were. They were Old Testament. They were scholars who studied the scriptures. The miraculous star that God gave them caused them to move. What causes you to move that God has to do in your life? What does God do for you that causes you to move? 
so that you go his direction in life. When God speaks to your heart, are you willing to be as obedient as these guys are? Because when you look at a sacrifice, these wise men that came over 800 miles probably took them months to get there. Here's what strikes me too, because it says when they saw his star in the east, the night Jesus was born, the Bethlehem star, they call it, they came out when the wise men left to head that direction. You get the sense in the scripture later on in the scripture when it says when they left Jerusalem to go to Bethlehem, they saw the star again the star appeared to them again, and then it went over to the house of where the child was at, so the star led them directly there, but they had to wander for months across the desert, headed west, left their home, and took these treasures in hopes of what they knew scripture said, the star showed them, and when they showed up in Jerusalem, what did they say? Where is the child that's been born king of the Jews? That's the kind of faith Gentiles even had. So when they look at this, you see them having all kinds of faith. And when they finally found the child, after they searched and searched and searched, they finally found the child. What did it do? It, gave, it caused them to have great joy. They worshiped him and they gave him the gifts, okay? Here's what I want you guys to know. This is what's different. And I wrote this down in your notes. The difference today at the approach that they had back then, when they saw the child, they sought the child, they sacrificed time, they sacrificed money, they gave everything to chase after this thing that God showed them in Scripture, when they got there, they had joy, worshiped him, and gave him gifts. Today, I think we see difference in people today because today, now many people expect God to come looking for them. In the world today, they're expecting God to come looking for them. They're expecting God to do something for them. They're expecting God to prove himself to them, to the people today. We don't look at it the same way as they did back in those days. We look at it very selfishly. And then on top of that, think about this, we expect God to give me gifts. I expect God to do something for me. It's not what I can do for him. It's what he can do for me. So we expect them, we expect they, they gave gifts. Now we expect gifts from God the Father because we don't live that sacrificially loving life like they used to a long time ago. Now what I wanna do, and I'm gonna get this real quick and then I'll give you guys to your small groups. I wanna look at this because it suggests, it's been suggested that these gifts are a recognition of who the Christ child was, okay? So I want you to see this picture. The wise men travel all this distance, get to Jerusalem. It says King Herod and all of Jerusalem were afraid. How many wise men were there in the Bible? The Bible doesn't say. We say three because there's three gifts. But I can't help but wonder what this tribe of wise men from the east had to look like when they hit Jerusalem. Because if King Herod was afraid and all of Jerusalem was afraid, it wasn't three of them. Nobody knows for sure, but my guess is they had to make an impact on the community that they went into. And what did they say? Where's the child that's been born king of the Jews? So they're looking for this child, they're asking questions, they find out where he's at, and then they take their entourage and they head down to Bethlehem, which is about six miles. When they leave Jerusalem and head that way, trusting what the scriptures say again, watch. They didn't go anywhere yet. They got to Jerusalem and until the chief priests and the wise men said, he'll be born in Bethlehem according to Old Testament scriptures, those scriptures caused them to move. God's word's gotta cause us to move. So they go, to, they go from Jerusalem and now they get to Bethlehem, a little bitty community, and they saw the star. As soon as they started in faith of hearing the scriptures, by faith, they moved. Guess what showed up again? The star. And the star camped right over the top of where the child was. Think, just think about this. They've been at this for months. We don't even know what it's like to chase after God this way. They had went totally off of faith, totally off the word, and went for months. And all of a sudden, when they saw that star, they had to be absolutely, it says they great joy. 
greatly exceeding joy. That's what happens when we find Jesus. But when they showed up, what did they bring with them for gifts? So they knocked on the door. Mary comes down in the house with the child. So we know that's where we have proof that Jesus is no longer in the manger. And they show up. And they saw the child. Imagine what it had to be like. This entourage of wise men, rich people from the east, and they see this kid, probably a year to two years old, and what do they do? They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they offered it to the child. Now watch what these represent, and I'll give you your small group. The gold represents the king of kings, the king of all kings, and in scripture it says in Revelation 19, 16, I can't wait to see this, on his robe at his thigh was written, king of all kings, and Lord of all lords, that's that baby. But according to the scriptures, they knew what that baby was. They knew who he was. He was the king of the Jews. So they offer him gold. That's what the gold represented. Frankincense was an incense. It's for the high priest. Listen to this, you guys. This is what I want. This is so important that we understand who Jesus is. That child was king of kings and lord of lords. He's also our high priest. That's what the frankincense that they gave them represented. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. In the desert, Jesus is tempted every way that we are, but he trusted God's word, and he did not sin. That's that child that they're talking about. And the last one is this, they brought myrrh. Myrrh was used for a sacrificial burial cloth. Myrrh was an incense, a, something that kind of covered up the smell of the dead body. It was, for sacrifice, it was for the sacrificial death he would suffer. Listen to me. King of king and Lord of lords, that's that child. That's that baby in a manger. Our high priest who knows everything that we go through because he's been tempted in every way and he shows us how to stay out of sin is by trusting God's word and trusting him. And then that myrrh, these wise men knew what that myrrh represented was he was gonna give his life as a sacrifice for us. That's what the myrrh represented for the sacrificial death. It says in Hebrews 10.10, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So in closing, here's the deal. Well, go to your small groups and I'll close with that in just a second. That way you guys can talk for a few minutes. Turn to your small groups. Talk about the sacrificial love that you see in this. Talk about who all these people that searched out this child and how they responded when they got there and really genuinely ask yourself, where are you at in this story? Talk in your groups and we'll be back in a minute. All right, you guys, I got to get you guys wrapped up here. Sorry. I got a couple thoughts I want to give you, and then I want to close with a song here in just a second. We talked about this at our table, too, and I had forgotten about this thought that I had. So the Magi, here's what we want to be like. We want to be like the Magi because they, here's what the example they carried. They read and believed God's word. They sought Jesus. They recognized the worth of Jesus, and they humbled themselves to worship Jesus, and they obeyed God rather than man. Do you want to be like the wise men? That's the question I have. Or do you want to be like Herod or even like the chief priests and the scribes where you just flat deny that Jesus isn't God? I'm not playing this game, Dan, and that's up to you what you do with it. But if you junior hires every week when Tanner's telling you about this, you don't, we can't make you believe. It's going to be up to you guys what you do with this information, okay? But I want to be like them because I read and believe God's word. I seek Jesus. I recognize the worth of Jesus, and I humble myself to worship him. Worship is not something we just do in song. 
Our worship is our lifestyle. So when you leave here from Wednesday to Wednesday, what's your lifestyle look like? That's a form of worship. And I want to obey God rather than man. And the reason why that's so important is when the Magi found the child, they worshiped him, they gave their gifts, they had great joy, worshiped the child. After they worshiped him, they gave him their gifts, they opened up their treasures, and then to me, that's their heart. They opened up their heart, they gave her their gifts, and it says they were, re- they were warned in a dream by God not to go back to Herod, but to take a different path. Listen to me. Have you met Jesus? Have you worshiped him? Is he your Lord and Savior? Then you should be taking a different path in life than what the way of the world goes. If we're gonna obey God rather than man, we've gotta walk as God would have us walk. So we've gotta take a different path after we worship the Christ child, after we worship our Savior, we should be able to take a different path. But I wanna touch on something real quick and then we'll, we'll close in song, it's gonna be real quick. In the later in chapter two, this is one of my favorite things in scripture, later in chapter two, just right after this moment where it says this, the wise men took a different path, it says Joseph was told in a dream to get up and take his wife and the child to Egypt because Herod was gonna try to kill all the babies in that area. And what did Joseph do? He got up immediately that night, woke up Mary and the child and went to Egypt. But watch this, they were poor, they were broke. Watch God's timing in this. Mary and Joseph would have, would have had nothing earlier that day. They would have had nothing. If the angel would have came to them the night before and said, hey, get up and go to Egypt, they would have had no funds to do it. But guess now what they had? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very, very expensive things that they could have sold to fund the trip to Egypt. God's timing is perfect. He will never ask you to do anything he will not equip you to do. Do you understand? The night before, Mary and Joseph would have had a really hard time doing this, but God's timing is perfect. As soon as the wise men show up, give them all the gifts, they can fund the trip to Egypt, then God tells him, get up and take the baby to Egypt, and and get up and take Mary and the baby and go. So God's timing is perfect. This Christmas season, I want you to see the joy and the hope and the peace that those wise men would have had that you can have, and please look at me, hope in Christ, joy in Christ, peace that surpasses all understanding, but I don't want you to get in the rhythm of looking for peace externally in life. Peace externally in life is really hard to find. There's wars, there's fights, there's battles. We do not fight against flesh and blood, all those different things, but with Christ in your heart, worshiping that child, taking him as your savior, you can have a peace in your heart that surpasses all understanding. You can be like Rahab. When the walls were crumbling around her, she stayed right where she was supposed to in Christ. Why? Because she trusted God. And in the midst of the crumbling, she had a peace that no one else understood. That's what that child brings to us. So the question I'm gonna ask you guys, and it's gonna be through this song, and then we'll close. Is there room in your heart for him? Have you accepted him into your heart? And if you have, Praise him if you haven't. Something to consider this Christmas season. Listen to the song and we'll close. So the question I have for you tonight is as we close. This Christmas season, I want to make sure that you realize what that child came for. To forgive you of your sin. And the question I have for you is have you made room in your heart for him? Are you there? Are you still wondering? Are you still denying? 
Not asking you how you're walking, not asking how you're doing, have you made room in your heart for him? Because I see this picture, if you haven't, and if you have, I see this picture because I have a very vivid imagination and I see these wise men coming up to this house and I see this kid, this little bitty child a year or two old. Do you think I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna hand him a gift this way? No, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna kneel down before the king of the Jews and I'm gonna worship him and I'm gonna give him my heart and I'm gonna ask him to save me and change me and I will never take the other path ever again. And when I do that, I will get up and I will walk a different way and I will walk a different path. When you guys see the manger scene this Christmas, I want you to see God's promises made and kept. I want you to see people that have sought this child that's in that manger for centuries. Some want to destroy him, some will deny him, but some will worship. Which one are you? Father in heaven, you're good. So grateful for your word. So grateful for that child in a manger that you sent from heaven to earth to show us the way, Lord. This Christmas season, may we ponder these things as Mary did in her heart. May we ponder the fact that you sent your son headed for a cross, a cradle to a cross, to death, and then the empty tomb. May we ponder the things that you've done to give us an opportunity to be redeemed, redeemed back into a relationship with you. And may we ponder the promises you've made and kept and we know that those promises that you've made are yet to be fulfilled you'll keep them the promise of when we call upon the name of jesus we will be saved our sins will be forgiven we'll be brought as a new creation from death to life and then the promise that he is going to return again may we be a group of people that are ready for the event to come in jesus name we pray amen love you guys you are dismissed everyone have a great night